0: Chapter
1: 13 Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore by him Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you chapter 13
0: let's look at it again I'll read it slowly and make some comments and then we'll launch into the the teaching for the day verse 5 let your conduct be without covetousness that word there relates to loving money don't let your life be totally focused on loving money you can love money and not have any you can be in debt And love money because you want to get out of debt, yet you can't stop using credit. Be content with such things as you have. That's where thankfulness really helps us. There's nothing like making a list of things to be thankful for. Take a piece of paper, number vertically, 1 through 10, and say, Lord, bring to my memory the things I have to be thankful for. If you'll do this regularly, it will... You may eventually know it by heart because you're writing the same things, but it'll change your attitude, it'll lift your spirits, and you can practice contentment. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a negative in that sentence times five. I will never not leave you nor never not forsake you in the literal translation. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing of eternal consequence. Man can cause me temporary problems, but those problems often are opportunities to grow and exercise grace. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. If a leader in your life has passed onward, you can still remember them and look at their life and learn from them. That's the best part of funerals, is you hear the best part of a person with which you can remember and learn lessons from. That's why I love reading biographies if they're written well, because it's a testimony of those who've gone before. The British prince is writing his memoirs. I think that's way too early. For a biography for that young guy. Because when you've gone onward, your memory will be treasured and your lessons can be learned. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love how he just sticks that sentence in the middle of the paragraph. No matter what we're talking about, it is appropriate to say that. <laughs> He's the same. Can we say the same? Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines or teachings. Some people don't like the word doctrine. I don't believe in doctrine. Really? Did you go to school? Grammar is a doctrine. Anyway, we'll leave that alone. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. People can be so obsessed with things that are not of eternal consequence, even things that are good temporarily, but if you make your life whole about that and not about the grace of God that we all need, we miss out. We talked last week a little bit about John Newton who wrote the song Amazing Grace. Prior to writing that song, prior to becoming a pastor, he was a wicked man. In fact, at one time he sailed the ship that carried hundreds of slaves from the west coast of Africa into the Americas. And many of those people died on the journey. And cruelty was done against their will. It was not like indentured servitude. This was seizure, capture, kidnap, a crime in every way, steal their freedom, and ship them somewhere where they'll be mistreated for the rest of their life. If they form a family, destroy their family. And if you want to, you can take advantage of them sexually. All in the name of freedom. And so when he repented, his heart was broken for what he had participated in. And he tasted the grace of God. Who knows, God can lift great guilt off our shoulders by his amazing grace. And he wrote that song. But it didn't stop there. He uh, was a great influence in the life of a younger man named William Wilberforce, who led the fight to free the slaves in the United Kingdom, and they did without a civil war. God's grace that saves us, motivates us to do right. Isn't that awesome? So we're to be obsessed with grace and not with all these side issues. Side issue of the day was whether or not you eat kosher, or whether or not the food you've eaten has been offered to idols. We have an altar, talking about food, verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Now what they are about to read here, it may sound like, if you don't know the Old Testament very well, sound like you're listening in on a conversation about which you have no idea what they're talking about. You ever hear that? Sometimes you listen to sports fans or, or People that are part of a fantasy league and their conversations, it's a little different lingo than what you're used to. What are they talking about? So let me just explain a little bit of background. In instituting a relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God made himself known to a family, which became 12 to 13, actually 13 tribes. And in the process, God revealed over the hundreds of years through a man named Moses, ways to worship him. It was uh, according to rituals that were lined up. You can read these in the first five books of the Bible. Very specific instructions how to do this. And it included a tent in the wilderness called the tabernacle where sacrifices were offered for sin and for thanksgiving and for worship. And there was a ministry, a tribe of Levites were devoted to seeing this part of the nation of Israel's people Israel's a name for Jacob, so this is the descendants of the grandson of Abraham, Jacob, that formed what we now call the Jewish nation. And God, through the tabernacle and the writings of Moses, laid track for a relationship with him through the priesthood. And what God was doing was laying a path, a road, that would lead to his son, also a son of Jacob, We know him as the son of David, who's a descendant of Jacob, who would be the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world. And so in the operating of that that tabernacle, that place of sacrifice, specific offerings for sin were not offered in the tabernacle. They were burned up outside the camp. In fact, stuff they burned that had a stench was burned outside the tabernacle, out of the city. And so years later, when the tabernacle was replaced with the temple, the practice was still carried on. Now, if things were offered up in the tabernacle, a priest could take a portion of the sacrifice and eat it. I like to think the temple smelled like the world's greatest barbecue stand. (laughs) Who loves barbecue? Anybody hungry yet? And so they could eat, but the offerings that were carried outside, the sin offerings, they were not allowed to eat. And so that's what he's referring to here. We have an altar, verse 10, from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood was brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, the offering was outside the camp, and then the blood was brought in for dealing with uh, the forgiveness or atoning of sin, are burned outside the camp, verse 12. Therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify or set apart or make holy, the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. So when they executed people, they did it outside of city limits. But in his case, it was a sacrifice for sin. So being executed out of the city, perfectly lined up with scripture. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his his reproach, carrying our own cross, following him. What happened to him was a scandal. And if you don't believe he was a savior of the world, then what you believe is it was terrible. And the death of an innocent man makes no sense. But why would God allow it? And so people who do not believe totally reject it. It offends their mind to reveal their heart. And in the book of Genesis is a story where God asked Abraham, the father of the faith, to offer up his miracle son Isaac on an altar. And he did not follow through with it, for the Lord rescued the son, and a ram was offered up instead. But here was a man who was willing to give his best. And so through his descendants, Almighty God gave his best, his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish. And where that experience happened is now where the Temple Mount is. You've heard of Dome of the Rock? There, and within eyesight of that place is another mountain, Mount Calvary, where God's Son was offered up, executed for crimes he did not commit. He did not blaspheme. They thought he did. Leviticus 24, uh, blasphemy carries a penalty of death by stoning. Well, the Romans wouldn't allow that. They did death by crucifixion. So his death was was contrary to Scripture. But those that were in authority who did not believe in him thought they had a right to put him to death because he was blaspheming, saying he was God's son. But we know he wasn't because he is God's son. So what put Jesus to death was their unbelief. So it was a setup. God set it up centuries earlier. In Leviticus 24 verse 12 again therefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach verse 14 for here we have no continuing city but we seek the one to come we follow Jesus wherever he leads us to wilderness and regions beyond because this place Granbury, Texas. Texas, the United States, is not an eternal community. But we look for one to come. Therefore, verse 15, by him let us continually, can we say constantly, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Why do we sing so much? Because of this verse. And we sing a lot compared to, to maybe what other people do, but not compared to how Africans worship the Lord. And certainly it's not a lot compared to what he's worthy. Amen? Pastor Sheikh, when he was here, always wanted to worship longer than than our services would allow. And we would have nights of worship that could go on for two to three hours. But when he went to Romania... They allowed him to go as long as he wanted, and he would go for five hours at a time. He went so far, his legs swelled up, and he lost his voice. And when he came home, he said, Alan, I now understand. (laughs) Our hearts want to go for eternity, but our bodies can't do it. So we have to make room for the word somewhere, amen? So here we are. Therefore, by him, by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's our sacrifice. No longer do we bring a lamb or a ram or a bullock or a red heifer. We bring our praises. Amen. But do not forget to do good and to share. So we're not just a bunch of singers. We're not just the happy, clappy, hallelujah people. There's content to our worship. There's there's good works. There's loving our neighbors. There's shoeboxes and feeding the hungry and whatever the Lord leads you to do. That's a song of praise. You ever hear wonderful music and you really like it till you read the words? Who's heard Billie Jean? That may be the greatest composed dance song there is. Till you read the words, it's absolutely horrible. It's about a, a paternity suit. Michael Jackson is denying to be the father of the gal's son that he's singing to. So if you're Billie Jean, imagine listening to that song and seeing the whole world dancing and celebrating. It's a mockery, it's terrible. So our actions are like words. In fact, the Bible says that we are epistles known and read of all men. My dad used to say, boy, people will either read your life and open their Bible or they'll read your life and close their Bible. Lord, may our life be like a love song. So our songs are music, right? But the content of our songs, the lyrics aren't really the lyrics on the screen and on the stream, but the lyrics are in our hands and our feet. It's the love meeting its destination through us. And the Lord mixes it all together. And to him, it's a love song that he loves. He's not a narcissist. He did make us to praise him. And when we do, we're actually being honest and lining up with reality because he is great. But when we go beyond just making pretty music to helping, hurting humanity, that pleases his heart. So therefore, verse 15 again, I keep getting on a little rabbit trail. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices... God is well-pleased. So there's three sacrifices in there. The sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and the sacrifice of doing good and sharing. You see that? And the Lord is pleased with those sacrifices. He offered the ultimate sacrifice. So our sacrifice is not for our sin. Our sacrifice is for our Savior who saved us from our sin. And we sing a song the angels cannot sing. They've not been redeemed, but we have been redeemed. Isn't that awesome? Verse 17, obey those who rule over you. Notice it's in the plural. It's not obey the dictator that is ruling over you with a rod of iron, but obey those people who are leaders in your life. The the word obey there means to acknowledge leadership. It means to align yourself with. And those who rule over you, the word therefore rule in the Greek means to lead. Allow to have influence. Who allows the Texas laws on the highways to have influence? Did you drive in the wrong lane coming here? No, you are lining up those that rule over you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. The word therefore soul also means life, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I ask you to speak to us in such a way that we leave here different than the way we came. Help everyone in this room to hear at least one thing that is life-changing. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject. It's about the New Covenant. New Covenant has... Nothing greater for us. There's Nothing greater for us. The temptation in the garden was to think God was holding out on them. They had everything. They had eternal life. Adam and his wife, they were the, the Adam's family. Uh, Genesis 4 says that they, God, made man. He made him male and female and named them Adam. So it was Adam and Adam. Ish and Isha. She was not named Eve till after the fall. Like Adam had labeled all the animals, he labeled her. She's going to be the mother of all living. And so now we call them Adam and Eve. But what happened was the enemy said, is God really letting you eat all the trees of the garden? And Mrs. Adam said, we may eat of all the trees in the garden except the tree in the midst of the garden. And then she added to the word. We're not to eat it nor touch it. So I imagine the enemy thought, okay, I'll just get her to touch it. This is the danger of adding to the word. If you equate a fence law, you know, it's a good idea uh, in dealing with your weaknesses to not cross certain boundaries that are not in the Bible, but you're just protecting yourself. You know, if alcohol is a temptation, don't go in a liquor store to buy a Coke. Just don't. But don't condemn a brother that does who doesn't have an alcohol problem. You see that? She was a good idea not to touch the fruit, but she said God said it, and he didn't say not touch it. He said don't eat it. So she touched it, she ate it, and she gave it to her husband, who was initially charged with guarding the garden, and he was there with her the whole time, and he ate it. So what happened was uh, she said God told us not to touch it, eat it or touch it lest we die, Satan said, speaking through a serpent, you'll not die for God doesn't want you to be like him. They were already like him, but they were tempted to think less of who they were. And so in the new covenant, we have something, there's nothing better. There's no better offer available to us, but we're tempted to think there's something Better out there, like maybe Joseph Smith has a better testament, or the Kingdom Hall has a better message, or some other cult has a better way. There's nothing better than the New Covenant. Can I get an amen? First, some Bible trivia. In the First Testament, there's 23,145 verses, in the New Testament, there's 7,957 verses. If you add those up, you come with an even number. In the entire Holy Bible, we have 31,102 verses. Now keep in mind, uh, when the Bible was written, the 66 books were written, they were not written with chapter numbers and verse numbers. Those were added by monks later, and it helps us find scriptures better. And I encourage you, if you don't have one, make sure you have a Bible that you read that is written in paragraphs like it was in the original. These Bibles that are broke down in individual verses, that's where people are tempted to come up with verses taken out of context. Read the Scripture in context of paragraphs. That's my desire, to be a paragraph-by-paragraph teacher. All right, so we're going to look at the middle. So Psalm 103 falls right in the middle, verse 1 and 2. 15,551, 15,502, the two verses. Right in the middle of the Bible in terms of verse numbers. Verse one says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. We did that today, didn't we? So if we divided the Bible in half, that's how it would end. That would be the closing verse. It's not the closing verse of the First Testament, but it would be if we divided the scriptures in half in terms of the number of verses. So what does the second half open with if we divided the Bible in half? It opens with these words, bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. And he goes on and lists what some of those benefits are in Psalm 103. Have you ever failed to read the fine print? I'm talking about Pastor Shake Anderson a lot today. He was was part of a band that had the privilege of opening on tour from coast to coast for Bonnie Raitt and another tour for Bruce Hornsby. And these big names traveled in these big tour buses. And the band Shake was part of with younger, younger, smaller white guys traveling an international scout pulling a U-Haul trailer. And Shake's a big black guy. And he's riding with these young white guys. And he reads the contract and says, Guys, the fine print says we get a tour bus. We have to ask for it. Oh, no, you don't know. And they just disregarded him because he was old and... He didn't know what he was talking about. We're young, starving artists. This is what, we have to pay the price to make it in this world. The band's not around anymore uh, today. And so they did lots of traveling and crammed four men in this international scout. Who's ever had an inter- ridden in one? Rough riding, it's kind of an international motors version of a jeep. And then there was a problem with it. So they rented a U-Haul truck, put their gear in it. There's not room for four men in the truck. So they made kind of a living room in the back of the moving truck. And who's seen a big U-Haul truck? Maybe you've rented one. That compartment that fits over the cab of the truck, they call Grandma's attic. And they made a blanket, uh, a mattress up there to sleep on. And one night they're traveling to the next venue Shake is sleeping in grandma's attic up, on the, up on, on the thing, and there was a wreck. And equipment and gear is tumbling everywhere. Shake falls out of grandma's attic. What's going on? What's going on? So they call their manager, who immediately, <laughs> immediately put the fine print into operation. And they travel the rest of the tour in a big tour bus. Because they didn't believe the benefits. They could read them, but they wouldn't believe them for themselves. They suffered and made Shakespeare suffer the whole time, unnecessarily. And then they were blessed. What if you took a cruise and didn't believe your ticket provided meals? You're, you know, brown bagging at the whole cruise, only to find out when you get off the boat could have eaten in the dining room many christians are like that there are benefits in the new covenant that i see in this text that i want to highlight today no gr- nothing is greater for us than the new covenant this is the best through the new covenant there is no better helper for us the lord is my helper there's no better than him he's the best i will not fear what man can do to me he neither sleeps nor slumbers He forgives. He does not hold grudges. He cares for us. Sometimes you may think he doesn't care, but give him some time. Sometimes you may think he's unfair, but give him some time. God is just, and he's not willing that anyone should perish. If a hammer needs to fall, it will fall in his timing. He is God. We are not. And justice will be served. In the meantime, you and I must trust him. He's our helper, and he will help us endure injustices. David said in Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He looked to the Lord when he faced the lion, the bear, the giant, and Jerusalem. And maybe this was written before the conquest of Jerusalem, but he was part of it. In Jerusalem are hills. I want to highlight three of the hills. Mount Zion, the Temple Mount, and Mount Calvary. We can look to God. The Temple Mount was used to plot against Jesus, but it was also used to maintain the track that was leading the Israeli people to the Messiah. Is the law is maintained there that convicts us of our sins, the law cannot save us, but it can show us that we need salvation. What is Mount Zion? Mount Zion is the place of the upper room. That's where David set up his tabernacle. He was not allowed to build the temple on the Temple Mount, so on Mount Zion he brought the Ark of the Covenant and set up worship for 40 years, 24-7. And the Orthodox rabbi told me last week that during that people, people could do sacrifices in their backyard if they wanted to. It was an unusual season. To me, it was a taste of the New Testament because David, when he did what he did, according to the old covenant, should have been stoned. Yet God extended mercy to him. Adultery and conspiracy for murder resulting in someone's death. That's that's qualifications for death. Yet he tasted mercy. Now, he, he reaped consequences for his sin in his own family. His heart got crushed by the things he had done he sowed seed and when we sow seed we reap consequences but this was a period in Israel's life where God was worshiped 24 hours a day around the ark of the covenant without the tabernacle the tabernacle was set up in Shiloh and that those things were brought to Jerusalem when the temple was finished by David's son Solomon and so from that hill you could see where The temple was going to be. You could see where Mount Calvary would be. He didn't know all that would happen would happen, but he was promised a son whose kingdom would not be taken away. That's the Lord Jesus. On Mount Zion, where the upper room was, was where the Lord Jesus instituted the Last Supper. The priest cannot eat of the, the old covenant priest cannot eat of the sin offering, but we can eat of the table of remembrance. Thank you for the bread Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Lord. And so that was done on Mount Zion. Now there's debate whether in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, were the people in the upper room or were they on the temple mount? Luke 24 says that they were daily in the temple. Acts 1 says they met in the upper room. But Acts 2 doesn't say they were in the upper room. And if they were daily in the temple, those 10 days going back and forth maybe between the upper room and the temple, it could have happened in the temple. That would make more sense for 3,000 people to get baptized. Because the mikvahs were all around the temple. So Lifting up our eyes to the hills, we're reminded of the Lord's table. We're reminded of the law. We're reminded of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Mount Calvary is within eyesight of those places. If you've not gone to Jerusalem, I pray, pray for the Lord to provide a way for you to go. Within eyesight of those, you can see this other hill where the Son of God was offered up as a Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So I will lift up my eyes from where my help comes from. My help comes from not the hills, but from the Lord who use the hills. Through the new covenant, there is no better outcome for us. No better. Remember those who rule over you, who've spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Why let someone be a leader in your life who don't have any fruit? Jesus said they would know us by our fruit. Look for leaders who have some fruit in their life and apply the principles. Learn From them. None of us crawled out from under a rock. We all have people we look to for leadership. We all do. We all do. When we don't, that's when we're liable to make mistakes and repeat history. Through the new covenant, there is no better Messiah for us. There is none better. There's no better. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Watch this. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew 24, Jesus said, If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. Who knows, we're living in a a time of deception. It was true in his day, and it's true in our day. You want the real Lord Jesus Christ. There's no better one. There's no better doctrine for us. Do not be carried about with various strange doctrines. There's all kinds out there. Paul warned in his first letter to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In his second letter to Timothy, verse 2 of chapter 4, he wrote, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they, whose are they? The people, will not endure sound doctrine. I'll change the channel. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, that would heap up for themselves teachers, and that would turn their ears away from the truth to fables. It happens. There's only one Lord Jesus Christ, and there's only one gospel. He came and lived a perfect life, died an unjust death, and conquered death, hell and the grave, through the resurrection, and he ascended back to heaven, promised to return, and sent the Holy Spirit to us. There is no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. No one comes to the Father but by me. Well, that sounds rather one-sided. It is. It's not one-sided if it's true. I mean, what's the best way to go to Fort Worth? What's the best way? How arrogant of you. How arrogant. I mean, you know, there's Glen Rose. And why are you leaving Stephenville or Weatherford out? How dare you? That's the way the world is. Jesus is the way. That's it. Plural, pluralism is good for some things, help people live in peace and community. But when it comes to the salvation of your soul, throw it away. There's one Savior, He is exclusive. Yes. But he's inclusive. There's willing. He's not willing that any should perish. He calls you. Come on, here's the way. What if you were drowning and someone threw you a life ring? Said, no, I don't want that. I want a submarine to come get me. This reminds me of the joke. Lord, why didn't you come visit me? When he greets Peter at the gate and the Lord says, I sent you a lifesaver. I sent you a lifeboat. I sent you a submarine. Yeah, but I wanted you to. All right, moving right on. Through the new covenant, there is no better grace for us. No better. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them.
2: Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved. An alcoholic. Failure. Agnostic. Partier. Liar.
1: Drug addict. A wretch like me. (laughs)
2: I once was broken,
1: resentful, helpless, depressed,
2: out of control, abandoned, selfish, self-destructive, angry, confused, just lost. But now, I'm sober, happy, peaceful, Grateful, free, alive, forgiven. I'm found. I was blind to God, to faith, to love. Pero ahora, yo veo. I see that I matter. I see past my problems. I see my Savior. I see grace. Amazing grace that tall
0: His lives. It changed John Newton's life, and as Heather shared with me last Sunday, it changed William Wilberforce's life, and he did something about the wickedness that John Newton was part of. Through the New Covenant, there's no better altar for us. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. They had privileges. They had access. To unique things in the first covenant, but they have no right to the new covenant unless they put faith in the ultimate offering, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is ironic that the sacrificial system was shut down 40 years after the ascension of Jesus. For 40 years, things began to go wrong, the, the priesthood was already corrupt. Now, no more. So even people who observe the old covenant as best they can no longer have blood sacrifices. That's why there's all this interest in the red heifer. That's another message. Through the new covenant, there is no better blood for us, for the bodies of those animals, verse 11 said, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the camp. You see the parallel. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Earlier in the book, we read, with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. Not the picture of one, not the temple, not the tabernacle, but the one in heaven. Having obtained eternal redemption, no longer do you have to have annual sacrifices. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, talking about the red heifer, sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, be it it was temporary, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works. The world is full of people suffering from their consciences. The pain of regret is eating them alive. When faith in Jesus and his blood can cleanse your conscience and take the guilt away. So we can sin again? No, why would you do that? Why would you want to do again what you regret doing? He takes the burdens away. That's the beauty of the gospel. Through the new covenant, there is no better future for us. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Who's seeking, who's looking for that city? Whose builder and maker is God. In chapter 11, we read about Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he would receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. While he was promised the land, he was yearning for something even more. The land had its problems. Verse 13 of Hebrews 11, talking about the heroes of faith. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. They died believing in promises that they didn't experience, but having seen them afar off. Verse 16, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And then in the last chapter, we read this earlier, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. This place that John had the privilege of seeing before he went there. Revelation 21.2, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and i heard a loud voice from heaven saying behold the tabernacle of god is with men and he dwelt with them and they shall be his people god himself would be with them and be their god and in that city the scriptures also say there's no night and there's no tears and there's no sorrow and there's no sickness and there's no suffering and there's no more regret And there's no sin. (laughs) Who's looking for that city? Through the new covenant, there's no better sacrifice for us than our praises. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. There may be a song you really like. That song's no better than the last one if it honors God, right? The Lord loves new songs. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. It's the song of the redeemed. It's going vertical, honoring Him like we do on Sundays when we gather together. And like we do in our homes when we worship him. There's no better sacrifice for us. When our songs. Our expressions express through. Serving others and letting love find its destination. Revelation 19 has this command that comes from the throne saying. Praise our God all you his servants. And those who fear him. Both small and great and I say yes sir we will. Who will who says yes sir. Yes, Lord. And then the final point in our list of ten things, through the new covenant, there's no better leadership for us. You are blessed by leaders in your life. A church is blessed by elders that serve. If there are elders that uh, follow up on the qualifications given in the scriptures, you are blessed to be part of a congregation that's desiring to do that. And you're blessed by men and women of God who have the qualifications of leadership. They may not have the title, but they're doing awesome things for the Lord. We're blessed. Obey those who rule over you. In other words, allow the leaders in your life to be an influence. It's plural. It's plural leadership. It's not a dictator pastor. And be submissive. In other words, stop bucking leaders and and line up. And be a part of what God's doing. And who knows the Lord will raise you up into leadership. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. If someone's concerned about your life and they speak to you, don't get them mad mad and stomp off. Say, thank you so much for caring. Thank you for caring. I have cowboy teeth. And sometimes I get spinach in them. Or some other food particle. And it's gross and I don't know it. And I so appreciate those who risk offending me by saying, hey, you got something in your teeth you need to take care of. That doesn't offend me. They care about me. I feel loved. It's like that. It's like that. What if you're limping around and someone asks what's going on Say, I don't know. Well, have you checked your shoe to see if there's a rock in it? How dare you? No, take your shoe off. Oh, there's a rock in it. Thank you very much. I think you get the point. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So youth, this, this begins with your parents. They've got responsibility for you. They care about you. If you need an organ transplant, they're probably the only donor you can find. <laughs> Through the new covenant, there's no better leadership for us. Paul, or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, ends with these words. Verse 24 in the ending says, Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Any saints in the house? There's saints and there's ain'ts. Back to to the ninth point. Through the new covenant, there's no better sacrifice for us. By him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So, we're going to end the service, not just yet, with a song. The praise team's going to come out, back up and we're going to honor the Lord a little more. And then we're going to go out and do good and share. And in so doing, that combination pleases the heart of your Father. But first of all, let's do a little Bible trivia. There's 929 chapters in the First Testament, 260 chapters in the New Testament, which creates an odd number. 1,189 chapters in the entire Bible. My Bible, I think, is 1,000 pages. Yours may be more, but there's 1,189 chapters. So, there is no first half and second half. There's a middle chapter. You see that? With an odd number, there's a middle. What is the middle chapter? It's Psalm 117. It's chapter number 595. So if you divide your Bible in half, in terms of the chapters, the middle chapter is Psalm 117, and it says, O praise the Lord, all you nations, laud him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever, praise ye the Lord. So if you divide the Bible in half, you have the middle chapter. It's the shortest chapter in the Bible. It's just two verses. So this is another example of the middle of your Bible. The first half ends with, O praise the Lord, all you nations. Laud him, all you peoples. Second half begins, For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Who would say praise is a central part of our theology it is praise the lord all ye nations laud him all ye peoples for his merciful kindness is great toward us and the truth of the lord endures forever praise ye the lord we used to sing this praise the lord all ye nations laud him all ye peoples, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your truth and we thank you for your mercy. Thank you that in Christ they have kissed each other. The truth shows us our need for mercy. And mercy prevents truth from destroying us. Lord, we thank you that you've taken sinners like us and made us your children. We are the redeemed of the Lord and we say so. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.
2: As your glory fills this place, you alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names, be exalted now in the heavens. As your glory fills this place, you alone deserve our praise. You're the name Your name, Jesus, you
1: deserve
2: the praise. Worthy is your name, worthy is your name, Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name.
0: continually offer up the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. It's only 11 o'clock in Denver so it's early. Depends on how you look at it, right? The Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. The peace that's based on conquest, the new covenant, and not on earthly compromise. God bless you. Go get him, Tigers. Worthy is your name, Jesus.